Uh, good morning. How you all doing this morning? Pretty good. I'm glad to be here this morning. Hey, we use uh, the imagery of marbles a lot in our next generation ministry just to communicate time and how time passes in in your student's life and how much time actually as a church that we have to invest in your kids when they're our next generation ministry. And when we say next generation ministry, we're talking about our preschool, uh, nursery, children's, and youth departments. And so, like I said in this, uh, this a second ago, time they were born through 18 years old, a student has 936 weeks uh, that our church can have an influence in their life when they're a teenager. And then that time goes really quick, too. Time they're nine years old, you're down to half of that already, 468 weeks. And so we uh, use the marbles not to discourage you, uh, actually it's to kind of encourage us to make the most of every opportunity we have. And we take our time and our with your students very seriously in our next generation ministry. So we want to make the most of the time that we have with them. And we're playing for keeps in the church. We really are in our next generation playing for keeps. And the reason I say that is this, because if you read statistics out there, you'll learn that 80% of uh, students will leave the church after they graduate from high school. 80% will leave the church upon graduating from high school. Uh, and so we're playing for keeps. You don't want to be true in our church. So what we did Probably, I don't know, two or three years ago, we started uh, thinking about how can we do ministry just a little bit different in our church in order to try to answer that statistic. That statistic's not true in our church. And so what we did, we jumped into Scripture, and we found some stuff and actually, you know, some surprising things, at least for me as a, as a former youth pastor, is that uh, I found out a few years ago that the primary faith trainer of a student is their parents. It's not the church. You guys know that? It's the parents. It's your job. It's not, it's not the church's job. Now, we're supposed to come alongside you and encourage you and equip you. And so we thought, well, if the parents' job is to be the primary faith trainer in, in a student's lives, and what can we do to kind of maybe address that issue in our ministry and try to encourage parents uh, to be that primary faith trainer? So we came up with a lot of different ideas the last few years, and actually a new job position for me as well as a next-generation pastor, then work on that very idea about reaching that next generation, because we are playing for keeps, and we realize with students, we can't make them love God. I can't make them have faith. I can't make them think about things that matter in their lives. But what we can do as a church is practice a few things over the course of time that shows a student and shows a child that they matter to God. And so the stuff we're going to talk about today is how we're trying to engage our next generation in our church. But all the stuff we're going to talk about is transferable to uh, adults as well. So don't think, oh, it's just a, a kid's message, because it's not. Because everything we're going to talk about today is very transferable to adults as well in your life and in your role in the church uh, at large here. And so one of the things we really rally around in our next generation of ministry is this whole idea of time. Uh, and one way we do that is actually kind of track time a little bit, how much time we have with students with them. Uh, but the idea of tracking time and making the most of our time with our students, man, that, that doesn't originate with, with us. Man, it's actually, it was God's idea. And so if you have your Bible, you turn to Psalms uh, chapter 90, and we're going to look up a verse here, in chapter, verse 12. So Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. And as you're getting there, uh, this is actually a, a Psalm of Moses, actually, not of David, not someone else, but of Moses. And this is something he passed on to the next generation that he was leading. Uh, and so here's what he says in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so we can gain a heart of wisdom. So we think this whole idea of time over time is super significant. Because when we see how much time we have left, 
we start getting more serious about the time we have right now. So if you're taking notes, it's a great opportunity to write that down because that's a pretty cool thing to understand and realize. When we see how much time we have left, we tend to get serious about the time we have right here and right now. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the first times I experienced my time kind of being tracked a little bit is when I was in middle school. And when I was in middle school, my middle school had middle school dances. I don't know if you guys had a middle school dance when you're growing up, but my, my middle school had middle school dances. And every year at our middle school dance, have two or three times a year, there's always a girl, you know, was in middle school that me and my friends were, we kind of had a crush on. And so we knew that, and we wouldn't talk to them during the week. No way we'd do that, right? Because uh, we're kind of awkward, you know, we're teenagers, so we didn't want to talk to them. Uh, so, but, but we thought, hey, the dance at our school was the opportunity we have to talk to that girl that we think is pretty awesome and tell them what we think about them. And so, you know, I did what most middle schoolers did and uh, get, wore my best clothes to the dance at night, you know, touched up my pimples on my face, um, you know, put cologne on, make me smell good. And so I put my very best effort out. So I'd go to the dance with my buddies and we'd sit in the corner talking about the girls that we liked and how we're going to talk to them tonight. And we'd spend the whole dance in the corner talking to each other. Uh, about that. Uh, here's the girl. I, I like her. You know, she likes me. Uh, but then we'd hear this thing in the background. This is the last song. Oh my gosh, things got serious then. It was the very last song. Our time was running out. And if I could just be a fly on the wall back then, the whole gym would start moving everywhere because we knew this is our opportunity, right? If we're going to make time count, this is the time to do it. And so we're going to make our move. That last song is the time we we're going to do it to tell that girl we thought they were pretty cool. And so that's the very first time I remember tracking time and realizing my time is running out. But maybe you guys experienced that too, or maybe you experienced on a mission field. You know, if you're on a mission field, that last couple of days on the mission field, I mean, you get pretty serious about your time because you start realizing that your time is running out and you spent that two weeks or that 10 days investing in the lives of people and you realize that there's a good opportunity you're never, ever going to see them again. And so the last couple of days, you get really serious about how you use your time. Uh, we're in the mission field, and maybe on a, uh, maybe in real life or a Saturday night, you have, maybe you've got that phone call to family sometime that you have a loved one who is sick, and you only have a few weeks, maybe a few hours left to live, and, and you start reprioritizing your whole schedule to make the most of the time you have left with them. And so time for us is very important, and we believe time over time if we start tracking it, that we start getting more serious by the time we have right here and right now. And here's why it's so important, too. So time over time is what enables us to make history, is what enables us to make history with each other. And history fosters connection and fosters influence. And if you guys know this is true in your own life, uh, a lot of times you have your friends that you meet up with. And what do you end up doing a lot of times when you meet with your friends? You talk about your history, right? You talk about what you did in the past. You talk about what you did last week or last month or that trip you guys did together. And so when you spend time together, you start building the history. And with history comes connection. And with connection comes influence. And so we're very serious about how much time we have with your students because we know it's running out. And as parents, we hope we encourage you uh, to count your time as well so you may use it wisely so we're going to talk about a few things this morning, but as we close each type of point this morning, I'm going to tell you about how our church is partnering with you in this particular area and how you as a family can partner with us as a church because one of the things we're making a big turn with in our student ministry and our children's ministry and our preschool ministry is really engaging the parents uh, better than we have ever in the past because 
We believe that's God's calling on our church to do. We believe God's calling on your life, and we believe that's how we can maximize the influence that we have in, in our students' lives. And so what we do at the church, I mean, it's pretty easy. We have a provide regular weekly programming. Every week, every, every sun, Sunday and every Wednesday night, we have regular weekly programming for anyone in our church uh, to come to your students to be part of. If you've been at our church very long at all, you realize we have stuff going on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Friday nights, and Saturday nights as well. Uh, but as we try to think about this whole idea of time, uh, we have weekly programming because we want to build time in with our students. And so we can have that connection and have influence. And so our church provides that for us. And what you can do at home is pretty simple. Show up. Get here. Attend church regularly with your students. And, you know, we're very aware of, as a church staff, that people are attending church less often nowadays. Even since I've been at the church uh, several years ago, when you said you're a regular attender to the church, it meant you're here every Sunday almost. You might miss once or twice a year because you had vacation. But besides that, you were here. That's not true anymore. You say you're regular attending, you become church maybe twice a month, you know, or even once a month. Man, that's my church I go to. And so I think a lot of times, especially as parents, uh, we don't think, you know, we're so busy with other important stuff going on that maybe uh, we can't make church this Sunday, and we don't think much of it. And to be honest with you, I don't know how much that affects an adult sometimes, um, because I think you're a little mature, but I tell you who it does affect. It affects your kids enormously, not being here on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. Because they're not here, we can't build history with them. If they're not here, we can't connect with them. If we're not here, we can't influence them. And come alongside the family and do those very things. And we desire to have that connection and partner with the family. So we think time is a pretty major deal. And as a home, man, attend church regularly. Get your kids here uh, so we can have that history with them and connect with them. Another thing we think is really important in the church is not only, only time, but we believe this idea of Love over time is super significant too. Love over time is super important to us and hopefully to you as a family as well. Uh, you know, we all know we're designed to be loved and to love other people, but sometimes, and I'm just like you, man, sometimes I can act unlovingly at times and I forget that I'm supposed to be a guy in a church who's supposed to, to love people and it's super important to us. And I think Sometimes you read in Scripture, too, about the Pharisees, and they forgot that very idea that love was the reason why uh, they were doing the things they were doing. If you know anything about the Pharisees, they were religious leaders in the church, and they were the best prayers. They were the best Scripture memorizers. They attended church all the time, and they're so busy doing important things, they forgot the most important thing, and that's to love God and love other people. And I don't know about your family, but I know my family's true. Sometimes I get so mixed up in doing important things that I get the most important thing, and that is to love God and love other people. And I think one of the reasons Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22, what he told them was to help simplify some things for them. And you guys know this verse in Matthew. Uh, it says this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is all the laws and all the prophet rest on these two commandments. And so here's why it's so important. Loving kids over time gives a kid worth and it gives a student worth. And we want to give our students worth because if they have worth and know their matter, know they matter and their life has significance, it's going to dramatically affect their future. 
right? And they know have significance, they know they matter, it's dramatically affect their future. And we believe how we love a child now is going to determine how they're going to love God and the church down the road. Because loving God gives them worth, and loving them gives them worth. And so how do we partner with you at the church in this area of love and and how do we partner, how do you partner at home with us? There's a lot of different things we do to try to love on your kids. But one thing I want to really highlight today is this whole idea of um, providing consistent programming uh, for your students to come and be a part of not just consistent programming, but also cons- consistent volunteers and staff that minister and love your students. You know, when I was the student pastor here, uh, I always have this conversation with some of our adult leaders who volunteer, especially new ones. They say, hey, what's the most important thing I can do in, in a kid's life, you know, to, to be a good small group leader or a good youth leader? And the very first thing I'd always tell them, hey, showing up, being consistent. I mean, that's 90% of the job, just showing up and being consistent. And, uh, you know, when I was the youth pastor here, I bet you, I don't know, there's been a handful, a handful just a handful full of times I didn't make a graduation party, a birthday party, a special event in a student's life because... I believe consistency was important, so I'm not saying to brag on me because, you know what? Our volunteers, our ministry do the exact same thing. They do the exact same thing. They are consistent, and they love your family, they love your kids, and they love God. And who doesn't want those type of people in your family's life? And so they're consistent. So what can you do at home? I mean, here's a great thing. I don't think we do a great job, but this is the church, and we're really working on this in our next generation of ministry by a bunch of different things. I mean, get to know the people who teach your kids here at the church. Get to know them. Have a conversation with them. Talk to them. We try to provide you with opportunities on the course of you to do that very thing. Uh, one of the things that we're doing, actually, October 2nd, we're having a, a parent-teacher breakfast in between our services. We're inviting parents to come up and meet uh, the people who are teaching your sons or daughters this year in our youth department and our children's department. So get to know them in our youth department uh, and in our children's department soon as well. We have pictures up on the wall of every one of our volunteers with their phone number on it, what grade they teach, their email address, because they want to reach out, they want to connect, we want to be available to you. And so, man, this year, if you could partner with us and help us get to know you a little better and reach out, uh, that would be a huge step in making our partnership between the church and the family uh, more significant. And so, you get to know who ministers to your kids on a weekend, week-out basis, because it's so super important. So another idea we really rally around in our student ministry and our next generation ministry is this whole idea of um, words. The whole idea of words because we have a tendency, I think, to underestimate the value of words in our lives. We use them all the time, and so we don't think a lot about the words we use sometimes. But words are so powerful in a, in a student's life and and actually, you look in the book of James in chapter 3, they talk about the power of words. And James says, you know, the tongue, referring to our words, are, are, are a powerful thing in, in their body. As a matter of fact, he refers it to a rudder of a ship. This small thing directs the whole course of a ship. Or, or bridle in a, in a horse's mouth. The whole thing controls a gigantic animal, which direction to go. It's the words that we speak. And if you read later on in James, and in chapter 3 there, in verse 6, it says this, It says, the tongue is also a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life. If you have this verse in your Bible, underline that because it's so important. Your words set the whole course of one's life. 
And so why are words so important in a student's life over time? Because loving kids over time and using the right words to do that helps kids get a sense of direction in their lives. Words are powerful. They give direction. The words that we use, the right words at the right time, can change a student's life. And you know from your own life, the words that I've used in your life has changed your life. For the good or for the bad, every word that we use has the power to do that. And so words over time give direction. Uh, a few months ago, a uh, good illustration is I taught a, a DU class here uh, called uh, Parenting from the Tree of Life. And during uh, our discussion time, one of our nights, we talked about the words that we use in our families and how we communicate to our students. And in one way in particular, even when you're disciplining your kids, how do you use words that uh, uh, point them to Christ? And so they used words of virtue and words of vice. And here's what they meant. Words of virtue point people to Christ. Words of vice point people to Satan. And so here's how the example they gave in a class, and we had a great discussion over this, and it's actually affected how I even talk to my kids at home and parent them. It says this, like, like a word of virtue uh, points people to Christ. And so a word of virtue, for example, is uh, in your kid's life, like say your son or daughter uh, wasn't completely honest with you, and you said, you lied to me. You know, when you say the word lie, that points them to Satan. But when you say, hey, you weren't, you weren't honest with me, honesty does what? It points you to Christ, right? Even when you're disciplining them. And words in our house, we say love and hate. Instead of saying that was hateful, you might say that is unloving because hate points to Satan, right? Love points to Christ. So you get the idea, even the words that we use, we're disciplining our kids. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll say something, you know, we'll tell a child or say that was so stupid. Horrible word to use, points to Satan. How about I say that was unwise, points to Christ. And so the way we use our words directs a kid's lives, and we think those are very, very important. And so how do we uh, use words over time? What does it look like in the church, and what does it look like in your home? Well, here it is, man. This is the thing. We encourage kids, believe it or not, to memorize Scripture because we think those are the best words in the world, right? And so we encourage kids to memorize Scripture. Matter of fact, we have a whole program on a Wednesday night called Awana, which is centered around, guess what? Yeah, words, memorizing Scripture. You guys have say it together. Yeah, it's, it's centered around memorizing Scripture. Uh, a whole program we do is help kids memorize Scripture and go through verses. And we're working on other departments to kind of get better at that. I think our, our children and preschool departments probably do a little better. Our youth department, we're working on our youth department as well, trying to get kids to memorize Scripture. And we kind of piled a few programs last year where they're memorizing Scripture in their small groups. And so we think those words are super important. And we want to come alongside you and resource you as well. And so here's something you do at home. This is a crazy idea. Guess what? At home, why don't you memorize Scripture together as a family? Because your words direct your kids' lives. And when you memorize Scripture at home as a family, what you're doing is directing your kids' life and pointing them in the direction of Christ. And so I was talking to uh, Will, our youth pastor, uh, this week about some ways you can be creative with that. Now, we provide you with all kinds of verses. Uh, when you pick your son or daughter up, especially in our preschool and children's department on a Sunday morning, you're going to get a sheet of paper usually or a craft, and usually attach that as a Bible verse you can memorize together as a family. Uh, we have a Parent Q app as another resource you can use. I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but we talked about Will this week about what can we do to get, you know, studying Scripture, memorizing Scripture at home. And uh, a couple ideas we came up with was, you know, there's a lot of things that your kids want, right? Sometimes they want a pair of shoes, they want a ball, they want something else. And we usually say, hey, do some extra chores. We'll do this or do something extra special. What is, how about do this? Hey, do your chores, but also if you memorize a couple of scriptures, 
hey, we'll, we'll get that for you. So a real practical, easy way to get Scripture memory as a habit in your house to give your sons and daughters direction. A number of years ago, I went to a Promise Keepers event, uh, and uh, there's a guy who spoke there named Joe White, and he was talking about his idea of memorizing Scripture at home in his family. And he said there, he said that um, when his sons turned 16 years old, they were not allowed to get a driver's license or get a car until they memorized the whole book of 1 Timothy. Guess what his kids did? They memorized the whole book of 1 Timothy. And do you not think they memorized the book of 1 Timothy changed their life and direction a little bit? Absolutely it did. So words over time have huge significance. And we love to partner with you in your home and help you get some words in your vocabulary your home, which are focused on Scripture because we want to help you in that area and resource you. And so words over time are super important to us. The other thing that's really important to us is this whole idea of uh, stories over time. Stories over time expand the kid's imagination in a way that no other things can do, and, and it shapes the person they will become. And so we think stories are very important. And there's, I think there's three types of stories you can be sharing with your sons and daughters that is going to help them grasp the world around them. And I think they need family stories. I think they need to know about what your family story is. This is kind of near and dear to my heart. A few years ago, uh, I started jumping into our family genealogy, my family genealogy, and found some really cool stuff, but also found some depressing stuff as well, uh, but mostly cool stuff. And here's one thing I found out was on my mom's side of the family over the past couple hundred years, guess how there's like, two, there's like 20 pastors in my mom's side of the family. And so me, me being a pastor is not random, Right? Maybe it's God's faithfulness through the generations to my family to give us someone who can preach and, and to proclaim God's word. And, and understanding that and getting that gives me an identity and who I am, what my purpose is. So they need family stories over time. And kids also need cultural stories over time because cultural stories stimulate the kids' imagination and shape their understanding of the world around them. And so they need cultural stories over time. And thirdly, man, kids need Bible stories over time. Bible stories help kids connect to the God created them and loves them and expands the mystery of God in their lives. And, and here's why they're important, because stories over time provide children with relational and cultural and spiritual context that they will end up shaping their perspective on God and faith and truth. So stories are hugely important. God gave us the mechanism of stories to grow our imagination. Without our imagination, there are some important attributes of a God that we would never quite understand or grasp. We need to. Imagination enables us to imagine possibly what it could have been like when God spoke the world into existence. Our imagination helps us to understand what maybe the voice of God sounded like to Moses in the burning bush. Imagination enables children to understand the miracles that Jesus did and, and the meaning of the resurrection and the majesty of heaven. God gave a story so we can imagine the unimaginable about a very, very big God. And so stories are hugely important for us. And stories over time shape a student's perspective. And so some ways that we partner, we want to partner with you at church and in your home. And one thing we do at the church, guess what we do? We tell 
Bible stories, right? We tell Bible stories to your sons and daughters in all of our departments all the time. We teach them from the Bible. We do it through words. We do it through pictures. We do it through videos. We do it through coloring sheets. We do it through puppets. Anything that's out there, we communicate to a student. God loves them and they matter to them. We use it and we use it to share the great story of God in your kids' lives. And so how can you use stories at home uh, in, your own, in your own context? And man, we provide you with the stories that we teach each and every week in all of our departments. In our preschool and children's department, that sheet of paper you get when you hand out, it has the Bible story they studied that day. That craft they did, it relates to the Bible story they did that day. Um, in our youth department, I'll send out a weekly email to our parents saying, here's what your sons or daughters are learning this week. Here's the story we're talking about. Here's the verse we are memorizing together. We use all those mechanisms. Probably the best thing that we use, especially in our children's and preschool department, is this awesome thing called the Parent Q app on your phone. If you download the Parent Q app on your phone, it has every video, every story, every piece of curriculum that we give to your sons and daughters on a weekly basis here in the church. And you can download and also give some bonus stuff like here's some bedtime prayers, here's some activity to your home, here's an additional study or an additional story. And so we do all we can to equip you uh, to be able to tell stories in your home. And so we provide that through our Parent Q app a lot of different ways. So stories over time shapes a student's perspective, so that's why it's so important to us. And so another thing that's really important to us, too, in our, our next generation ministry is this whole idea of um, a tribe over time. A tribe over time. You know, it's no mystery. We, we need each other. We're designed for relationships, and we need a place that we belong. And, and a tribe in our, in our ministries, we call them small groups, or we call them a life group. But they're a place where, where we come together on a common theme that, that we call God's Word, and we learn together and point in the same direction. And, you know, we're all part of a tribe one way or the other. Right, right now, we're part of the Baptist tribe. We're at church on a Sunday morning. We're part of the big Baptist tribe. It's a go tribe, way to go. Uh, we have a place that we hang out at. We do stuff outside. I mean, you're either you're part of a, a, sports fan, you're a sports fan, a football team, or a baseball team. You're part of that tribe. So we get the idea of tribe in our culture and so we need each other, and we need a circle of friends uh, to be part of that, especially true when you're a child. You need a tribe to belong, a place to belong. And, and you know, I think sometimes a tribe also can be kind of misunderstood as well. Uh, you know, the Pharisees in Scripture, they misunderstood the idea of a tribe. They thought the tribe of their part was supposed to be exclusive, right? I mean, no one can be part of it. It's only for us. And where Jesus had to remind them that, no, man, a tribe's inclusive. It's where people belong, and the church is where God wants people to be and be a part and involved in that. And the reason tribe is so significant to me is because it's a tribe that reached me. When I was in high school, I grew up in the church, like you know, some of you guys told a story before, but when I went away to college, I was at 80%. Man, I walked away from the church completely. But I had a tribe back in my home church, which was called our college career class, uh, and the head of that tribe was a guy named Rick. Uh, when I was at school for my four years, Rick would call me probably two or three times a year just to check in with me. Let's know I'm praying for you. I'm talking. You know, I'm praying for you. Our group's praying for you as well. And I remember a few times they did a collection in my church, and the group sent me some money for for lunch or dinner, something special. But it was a tribe that I belonged to, even when I was running away from it. See, there's some things that a tribe can do that a pastor can't do, that a small group leader can't do. There's some things that the body of Christ can do that an individual cannot do. And, and, and when, you run a, when you're part of a tribe, you start understanding that. 
and the tribe that, that I ended up being a part of gave me a sense of where I belong and what I do. And that's what a tribe does. A tribe over time makes kids feel welcome and gives them a sense of belonging. We belong someplace. And the tribe that reached me is ultimately the reason I'm in the ministry to this day because a tribe reached out and got a hold of my heart and God used them. And so how do we partner with you in the home, with the tribe over time and at our church? And some, ways, some things we do is this. Uh, we provide children with uh, a sense of belonging in life groups and small groups at our church on a weekly basis. We have places for them to connect to. And you know what? We ask our adult leaders and we train them in all these departments to show up predictably. We ask them to show up mentally and also show up randomly. Here's what that means. We say predictably, man, be consistent. When you sign up and our volunteers are awesome. They do that. They show up predictably. And when they show up, they show up mentally as well. You know why? Because they're prepared. Man, they, they study their lesson. They know where they're on their same page. They show up mentally. And also randomly at a kid's birthday party or a graduation party. And that's where we need parents. That's where we need your help. That's where you need to come in and help us out. So how can you partner at home? Uh, invite us to be part of your circle. Invite us to be part of your home and what you're doing in your home. And begin establishing a family devotional time as well. Because guess what? Faith belongs in the home. Faith belongs in a home, and we pray that your home is a tribe where faith belongs over time. And so that whole idea of, of a tribe is super significant to us, very impactful. And so we've learned a few things this morning, that uh, time over time, we learned about love over time, and words over time, and stories over time, and tribe over time. And the last thing I want to share with you, we think is very important as well, in our next generation ministry is, is fun. Fun over time. We think that's hugely important. Fun over time may not seem as significant sometimes. You look at it as maybe a time or love or words or stories or a tribe. But when you have fun with a student, something serious happens. And when you have fun with one another, something serious happens in your life. And, and what happens is that you begin a connection with one another. When you have fun with one another, it fosters a connection that takes that relationship even deeper over the course of time. And so you're not going to find the word fun in Scripture, but what you're going to find is a lot of its, uh, a lot of its friends, a lot of its relatives. And here's some passages that talks a little bit about this idea of fun in Scripture. It says, May the righteous be glad. Psalm 68, 33 Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4.44. Celebrate a festival to the Lord, Leviticus 23.41. A cheerful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17.22. The fruits of the Spirit is joy, Galatians 5.22. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, Ecclesiastes 11.8. So fun is super important for us, and fun over time creates a powerful connection with your students. You see, when you have fun with your students and, and people over time, uh, it convinces kids that you actually like them, right? I actually enjoy being around you. It also, uh, also it fosters resilience in a student's life and in your life and in my life as well. I know some of the, the hardest times I had in my life, uh, one of the things that got me through that I was able to laugh at some time during that hard time, it fostered resistance, uh, re resistance in my life and 
And also, most important thing I think fun does for me and for students and for you, it authenticates forgiveness. It authenticates forgiveness. It reconnects with disconnected. And I, I don't know if you ever had an argument with a, a friend or a family member or your wife or your husband. And maybe you had an argument and you guys did all the right stuff. Afterwards, you apologize. You got forgiveness. You hug one another. But for me, that forgiveness is not real until what happens? Until we laugh again together. Until we have fun together again. For me, fun reconnects what's been disconnected. So fun may not be the most important thing, but if you don't have fun, little else really matters, right? If you give people words and stories, but you bore them, they're probably not going to come back, right? If you belong to a tribe that never laughs, people want to show up. And if you want to build trusting, establish the influence in people's life, you need to make fun a priority in your relationships. And so what does fun look like at the church, and what does fun look like in your home? Well, once again, man, we take fun very seriously at our church. We, we value fun. We plan for fun. Matter of fact, in each of our ministry environments, each and every week, uh, we have a fun element, a part of that. And so how can you partner with us in that fun? Man, we invite you to come and be part of some of the environments that we do. Man, when we do an outreach event or any kind of event we do outside of our normal programming, we always use that element of fun to bring people together. And uh, this year, this name a few things we did. We, uh, we had a color war for our youth department this year, which was a great fun for our community to come and throw paint on one another. We have lock-ins in our, in our children's department and cookouts and, and movie nights and all those events. And we invite you to come and have fun with us because we think fun is pretty important and we believe fun connects uh, one another and it connects the church to your home and your home to the church. And so those are some of the things that we rally around in our next generation ministry and, uh, I mean, you can help us this year, too, because we are really trying to make the turn. And it's not been easy to kind of reestablish some different ways we do ministry by reaching out to the family. Uh, one thing you can do to help us out is uh, some stuff we talked about today. Man, actually go home and start practicing it. I mean, we'd like to hear about it. Or if there's something else that you think is a better idea or think about, man, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it because we value families. We value children, and we love them. I mean, so much so, I mean, as a church staff and as me personally, I mean, I've given my life to it. And there's a desire to connect families to the church to have a greater influence on the next generation because we're playing for keeps, right? I don't want to be part of a church that loses 80% of the students when they graduate. And that weighs on the church pretty heavily, but who it's more heavy on? Parents. And so we want to help. We want to come alongside you and be champions for the kingdom. And we want to play for keeps. Hey, Randy, you want to come on up here and close us out today? Would you all appreciate Jerry and our next generation ministry, what was presented here today. And, of course, Jerry, along with uh, Angela and Will, who's not in this particular service right now, but very grateful for them. Folks, you heard, whether you recognize it or not, you heard some really incredible and important things today about your life, about your home, things that you need, things that need to be happening. I hope what you hear does a couple of things for you. hope it helps your home, uh, maybe the home of your adult children. I hope it gives you a way to know how to concretely pray 
about what your church is doing and what it's involved in as we reach out to the next generation. Maybe gives you some ideas and ways to serve. But uh, it's an exciting thing going on here. As I said, our next generation is one of our core values. And uh, so hopefully you get to see how you can pray about that, serve in that, be involved in that. You know, as we are, as I said a moment ago, kind of looking out toward a new year, we want to take a moment and just pray for those shapers and those influencers uh, over the lives of our children. So I'd like to have a couple people stand and remain standing because we're going to pray for you. But uh, if you, first of all, if you're a teacher in one of our schools, would you stand up? A teacher in Chesterfield, Prince George, Hopewell, you know all the counties and cities here. Go ahead, just a few teachers here. Uh, if you're a homeschool teacher, would you stand up and join these teachers? And administrators, we have quite a few administrators in our church. Would you, would you stand up with us? A coach, do we have any coaches in here? Okay, and then one last group of people. If you are a volunteer in any of the ministries here at our church connected with our children and our youth, would you stand up right now? Okay, we get quite a few there. Okay, now, if you are around one of these people and feel comfortable doing so, the Scripture talks about laying on of hands, would you uh, just maybe reach out and place your hand on their shoulder? Uh, if you're a family friend, you're sitting behind them, uh, just place your hand on their shoulder and let's pray for them as a church family. I'll allow you all, people are starting to move now, just getting at what we're doing. Uh, allow you all to get in place and pray for them. Okay, let's pray, okay? Heavenly Father, I just come before you for each of these that stood up as we called them out. And we are grateful for their work, uh, what they do in shaping the next generation. Lord, I pray for each of them, a teacher, an administrator, uh, a coach. Give them skill and ability in what they do in this coming year ahead. I pray that you would give them wisdom and knowledge uh, in managing a child, managing a classroom, the, the communication, the transfer of content and information. Give them wisdom and knowledge in that. Father, get, give them grace. Give them grace in, in how they handle and, and patience. Lord, I pray you'd give them favor. Favor before students, favor before other parents and those that they serve and work with. And Lord, I pray for each of them a great year ahead. And we pray that you're going to use them in a great and an awesome and a powerful way in the lives of our children. Lord, I pray this is going to be a great year for our children, a, a year in which they explore the world, the universe in which they live, a year in which they grow and learn about you, a year in which they take great strides in knowing you as their God and as their friend. Father, I, I pray for this year. I pray for our, our schools, that they're a, a place of peace, uh, a place of goodness, a place of safety, that your protection is in hand is upon these classrooms, these schools, and all that goes on. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the partnership of a home, of a church, and of a school that we work together at what you call a blessing. You call a child a gift and a blessing. And Lord, I pray we honor and respect these gifts. I pray we are good stewards of these gifts that you've given us in the next generation. 
and that, God, this would be a year that would profoundly raise this generation to live greatly for you on the ball field, in the classroom, in the home, and in their church. Lord, I pray for these that are standing because they have such a profound influence in that happening. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.